echo in my ear. Welcome to the Pastor and Professor Show. Uh, I am the Professor Jay Pine, along with my co-host Doug Levy. How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing great. Blessed. Yes, yes. Uh, it's been a it's been a interesting week. Uh, let me let me preface everything. <laughs> Uh, we're having a little bit of a weather ice storm, uh, and we lost power earlier, lost internet earlier, and things have been flickering. So if we go off air, I will try to get us back online. If I don't, then you'll, you'll see us next week. Um, and and I'll clarify that he's having an ice storm. It's, you know, it is what it is out here, but yeah. Yeah. Although I saw (laughs) my buddy just sent me a picture. It snowed in Pasadena yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was a little, we had a little weather here. Yeah, uh, he showed me a picture of his car and there was snow on his car in his driveway in Pasadena. That's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. So yeah, it's <laughs> been a, it's been a interesting couple of weeks for me since we aired my uh, uh, story. Um, again, I, I felt like I wasn't necessarily prepared, uh, even though I thought I was, um, but I felt God was calling me to do that and I did, but I'm still reeling a little bit from realizing that there's still a lot to process um, and, and, and figure out and so forth. Um, I think maybe I pushed it aside a little bit as I was working on the shows and get the shows ready and, and so forth. So I was a little caught off guard for, for that. Um, and then uh, I just want to, you know, give a big thanks to Doug and Monica for this week. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a rough week. So I, you know, I, I part of the, my issue too is I'm having some. There's been some cognitive damage done from the heart attack, uh, and I had a doctor's appointment this week, and there were some things revealed to me that I did not. Well, I did, not that I didn't know, but they revealed. You know, they said that yeah, your heart, you know, your brain was you know deprived of oxygen for a significant amount of time, so we're not surprised that you're having some some issues. But they just never have said it to me before, so I was you know, and it's been a rough week along those lines too. So uh, I jumped on the phone and talked to Doug and. Monica jumped in, interrupted our, our talk and just did a, a prayer. And, uh, it was, it was great. So I, I'm very thankful that, uh, I have you guys to, to do that with. So absolutely our thank privilege you. and pleasure. And we are as well as I'm sure many others agreeing for uh, complete healing and a full recovery where that won't be a problem in the future. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, so we had Super Bowl last week. Yes. Uh, we talked a lot, a little bit about it last week. So what did you think? Well, we literally had the Super Bowl last yes. week. Um, and I was glad that it was an exciting game uh, and not a boring either blowout or, you know, yeah. nobody scores nothing thing. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, I was entertained. Uh, commercials were, eh, you know, I, yeah, not a not a ton really jumped no. out at me like, oh, wow, best commercial of the year. Yeah. Um, but you know, there were some, some decent ones, some good ones, some ones that made us chuckle. Uh, and I'll say post Super Bowl, which I drive full-time Lyft Uber for a living. Um, it wasn't as busy as I thought it would be mm-hmm. being the fact that it was in yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and secondly, we normally, when someone wins a championship in this city, whether it's the Lakers or the Dodgers or whoever, fireworks till two, three, four, five in the morning sometimes. Yeah. And there were some fireworks, but again, just kind of shocked. Maybe the Rams fans, you know, it's NFL know. football in LA just, yeah. you know. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really it was a really great game. I mean, these playoffs, the whole thing was the, the yeah. best we've ever seen. I mean, every yep. everything, every single game came down in the last possession, in the yep. last last minute. So, uh, you know, I found myself, like I said last week, rooting for Joe Burrow in the playoffs, and then as I started thinking about it, I'm like, no, I I can't have the Bengals win hoist the Lombardi Trophy. I just, <laughs> yes. I would kill me. Um, I'd give me another heart attack. I just, I, I, I couldn't handle Kevin Trigg calling me and sending me all this Uday stuff. And I, no, I couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I found myself during the game rooting for the Bengals. Like when, like I, like when they didn't get a th- pick up a third down, I was like, oh man. Um, I was like, what am I doing? What am I? So I was conflicted. My kids were <laughs> like, were what conflicted. are you doing? You, you were who torn. Are you for? <laughs> uh, so I am I glad. Say, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, no, no. Right. That's one of the points I was going to make was happy for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy was buried in Detroit for, you know, his Let's entire be careful. career. I'm in Michigan. Remember? Okay. Sorry. Buried I, in well, Detroit. You know. Might people might take that offensively. So. Okay. Well, I'm just saying he didn't have much opportunity <laughs> yes. to, to get to the big game there. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm as frustrated as Detroit fans are. You, you know, that's, it's been eons. So shut up. <laughs> Detroit and Browns, you have Super Bowl wins. How many? Four? How many you guys have? Four, five? Five. We got five. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, but I will say, uh, I've become more of a guy who roots for people, and Mm. that kind of plays into the Matthew Stafford thing. Yeah. Uh, And so I love to see certain people, you know, reach success and have success and really happy for Cooper Cup. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you heard, but like post game, he finally shared that after the last Super Bowl, he's walking off the field. God gives him a vision and speaks to him and says, you're going to be back in the Super Bowl. Your your team's going to win it and you're going to be the MVP. And for that to happen. I didn't hear it. I right? didn't hear that. Yes. And so he and he said, the only person I told was my wife, because like, who? how do you go, you know, into camp and go, yeah. God showed me this. Right. He wanted to be humble about it. And yeah. uh and his humility paid off, right? It says when we humble ourselves, God exalts us. So uh, good for him. Yeah, he was he was clearly you know very emotional. Um, and that last drive was you know for the for yeah. the ages. Now I you know I love Cooper Cup. I don't. He shouldn't have been the MVP. Uh, yeah, and but, I think that they said they MVP votes had to be in before the two minute warning. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. I think had they not, Aaron Donald yeah. probably would have won MVP. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was, you know, it's the first time I think I've watched the Super Bowl. I actually watched it in years. I mean, I, I don't even remember. Yeah. I've, I've watched bits and pieces and watched the ending and so forth and paid attention to commercials. But uh, yeah, speaking of the commercials, yeah, I, I agree. There, I don't even remember. I can't tell you one that sticks out. Excuse me, in my head. So I was a little disappointed in that, especially since I did a Super Bowl commercial show that week and everything. Right. Um, so I don't <laughs> think there's anything we're gonna be looking at for next year. Funny uh, thing was, I was watching with a bunch of millennials. And they thought the best commercial was the QR code that was bouncing around. I mean, and not because it was like, you know, oh, you know, but it was just, they thought just ingenious because how many yeah. millions of people have, right. have gone and captured the right. code. And, and so I thought, wow, yeah, maybe. It's like the Reddit one from last year. Remember, it was just like, it was 10 seconds long. And it just right. said, it said Reddit or something. Um, so let's talk about real quick, the halftime yeah. show, because there's so much debate on it. I mean, I'm instantly, right. again, I did, I did halftime show, show, show last week 
And and everybody for all ages were like, you know, instantly saying this is number one of all time, blah blah blah. I want to get your take on it, being the same age and everything. I want to hear what you think. Give me a sec. Someone <laughs> tried to call in. Oh, all right. And all right. uh yeah, I got I got taken out. Okay. Right. Halftime show. I, okay, so I had a season in my life, um, relatively short in comparison to the length of life that I've lived, but like when hip hop hit in the early eighties. Like, you know, I came out of a rock and roll background, you know, as far as things that I listened to, things that my family listened to. But when hip hop hit, I was, I dove in the deep end head mm -hmm. first. I mean, I was Run DMC, Houdini, the Fat Boys, Grandmaster Flash. Fat I'm Boys at, are back. I'm back. Yeah. Yes. So I'm at like, I went Crush to concerts. Groove. Sorry to cut you off. I would, Crush Groove. Yeah, no, no. Crush Groove. Absolutely. Yeah uh breaking and breaking to electric boogaloo yep. so i was i started break dancing i became a dj <laughs> we have video of that a, no thank <laughs> goodness and i was a, and i was a wannabe rapper and a really bad one at that um so but like so i have a history there i have a a, a respect for a lot of the stuff I'm, I'm not a real big fan of modern hip-hop mm -hmm. you know just because it's just subject matter wise it's just not my thing yeah. i mean I, I i came from the time when hip-hop was fun and hip-hop was cool and hip-hop yeah. wasn't gangsta yeah um so having said all that uh so just you know my opinion kind of comes out of a place of of some knowledge um i thought it was okay uh, you know i meant i wasn't wowed by it uh you know it but i thought it represented those particular people who were up there well um you know m&ms when that comes on i'm I, you know i can't yeah. help i'm bouncing yeah. Yeah. uh you know so uh but yeah i don't i don't know that necessarily the set helped them i don't know what they were going for with yeah, that i don't i, I, don't know I think a stage that says I yeah, didn't get it. I think a stage would have been better. Yeah. Um, I mean i kind of sort of see what they were reaching for but i don't think they quite hit it with that but you know, I don't think it was as bad as people make have made it out to be or thought that it would be. And but I don't think it was great. I mean, again, I'm going to go back to Michael Jackson, Prince. I mean, those were the guys that killed it. Yeah. And, you know, Bruno it Mars. was what it was. Yeah, it kind of represented L.A. And yeah, definitely. in a lot of respects. So definitely. Yeah, um, yeah everybody. Well, <clears throat> a lot of most of the people I know said it was inst instantly the great the greatest show of all time. And I, mm. I do think they were good. I don't think they were yeah. bad. Again, I, the set didn't work for me. But also, I think they should have had more people, more fans on the on the field. Uh, um, it would have yeah. made you know the environment a little bit better. I just think it was fifteen years too late. I, yeah. I just think the moment you know, and I you know, there's been a lot of older people on like you know, the, the Who and Springsteen and the Stones and everything. But you know, this was like, this was. Just I thought I thought it was fifteen years too late. I think it was fifteen years ago, ten years ago, yeah. the place would have erupted. I think it was good. I think it was good. It was probably a top yeah. ten show, maybe even higher for me. But um, I wasn't disappointed. But I it certainly wasn't a top five for me, and certainly not top three, where people are saying it's the best one ever. I think people yeah. were just looking at who it was and their fans and said, okay, this is the best one ever, and just yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. And it was good. I think I think the timing of you know bringing that genre of music in and yeah. uh, and representing it the way that it did 
you know, was it's, it's like an about time moment. But like you said, it would have had a much bigger impact had it been 10, 15 years ago. My uh, my nephew Collins on watching says, Washington boy, go cup. That's right. Cooper East cup, Washington. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Colin, Colin was co-host on my Indians episode on the Sports Bar oh, Show, nice. uh, which was a, so much fun. Um, I did. My, my brother was on it, too. That was that was fun. Uh, yeah. And if you are watching from home, feel free to to uh, comment, uh, put your two cents in. Um, we're going to be getting into Doug's book tonight. So there's going to be things on there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, things like that. Uh, yeah, please let us know. All right, you know, you don't get all night, Colin. You can't just keep you know monopolize the whole thing. I'm not gonna put every comment you put on there. Um, sorry, but love you. Um, so yeah, feel free to comment on anything we're talking about tonight. Um, but we did want to open with just kind of reactions to the Super Bowl and so forth. Um, so yeah, for me, um, you know, we got March Madness coming up. I think yeah. the greatest sporting event ever. Um, you know, I'm, I have a lot of stuff going on with my other show with that one. Um, but I, you know. We gotta get this baseball lockout done because I'm I'm baseball's my my jam, so we gotta get it done. Not that my team's gonna be any good I agree. this year, but uh, we gotta get it done. So so anyway, um I have a couple things to announce. And if oh, I do this right. properly, I have a couple announcements. Um first one, are you ready, Doug? Are you ready? I'm ready. I am ready. After four episodes, this is four. Is this four or five? This is four, right? Four. After three episodes, we have finally separated the audio tracks, and we are now officially a podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. So you can see the first, catch the first three episodes if you missed any part of them. Um, and they are the full episodes, so they're not the clips. I'm still debating whether I want to put any of the clips on there uh, and just leave the full episodes on there. But if you're in your car, uh, taking a car ride or cleaning the house, and you like looking listening to podcasts or audiobooks, you know, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen from. Uh, it will be on Google. It's, there's a little bit of a wait for that one. Uh, but we are now officially podcast. So Awesome. That was exciting. Yeah. Legit. Legit. Um, so I did find out doing, you know, kind of just because all we did is strip the, the video, basically. I had to tweak the sound a little bit. Um, but it definitely was some eye-opening things for me. So we'll be a little bit more conscious of what we're doing on the live show that can either transfer or at least address translate and any yep. translation issues. Uh, if you're just listening, but, um, yeah, I'm excited. I actually, I loved listening to it. It was, it was a different experience. I know it sounds silly and you know, I was there, I was there for the show. Right. <laughs> um, I enjoyed listening to it as a podcast without the video. Um, nice. I still would rather do it so I can see your smiley mug, but, um, but. Yeah, but I think it helps, you know, for our perspective, not to be as self-conscious. We're probably nitpicking our yes every, every move and every gesture and whatever else. So. Yeah, I just want to, I want to let everybody know my kids are insisting and I'm, uh, uh, it's the first time I've had mustache and I am growing it long enough so Ooh, I can, I can handlebar. They want me to do a little handlebar thing. I'm, I'm getting close. I need oh, some gel. I need right? some gel, but I could probably do it now if I had some gel. But they're all, since I didn't grow the Santa Claus beard, they're insisting that okay. I, I go there. So in the coming weeks, well, you know. Love it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I did have at one point in time, and I do have pics of this. I'll I'll have to send them to you. I had a goatee about down to here. Wow. I was doing the long goatee thing. And then there was a pic we went to, to Maui, or maybe it was Oahu, and Monica braided it for me. So I had that really 
gangster was that looking. On, was that on Facebook? Yeah, it's I think pic, I remember seeing on Facebook. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. So I do have another another uh, big announcement. If that wasn't big enough, so let's just do this. Let's do another drum roll. I like it. All right. Let's do it. All right. So before I get there, I do want to say, so this next one, this is a project that I've been wanting to do for years and years. Um, and just either didn't obviously didn't, but, uh, um, didn't make sense to now it, it, it makes sense with everything that's going on with me and with this show. So it's going to be kind of a, an, spin off. A, a spin off, yes, a spin off yes. of the show that will be on all our, our Facebook pages, our all our social media pages. Uh, it'll also be on Spotify because I created a new show called Heartbeat Radio. It's gonna be a radio show uh, that's just on Spotify, um, at least right now, and it probably will remain there because the licensing agreement with uh, Spotify. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's a radio show that's a narrated podcast uh, where I share. You know, songs that we've talked about already on the show. Um, the first episode will air tomorrow. It'll be Thursdays at noon. I'll release a new show. And the first one is going to be talking about the last year of my life in songs. Uh, and you've heard us talk about the songs, you know, some of these songs, right? Your Graves to Gardens and, you know, mm-hmm. Waiting on You or Wait on You and some of the things we've talked about. Uh, so each week at noon, I'll release a new kind of playlist, but it'll be a narrated playlist talking about how the songs either came to me, how they impacted my life, uh, could be talking about the words, could be talking about the moment in time, just kind of whatever comes comes to me. Um, but it was really interesting starting to put that together today as I started writing notes for it, and um, it was fun. It was just, yeah, it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, well, uh, that's going to start tomorrow, and each week we'll, we'll do that, and I'd love people's feedback, and, and you know, go from there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. Let's, let's, give, our, let's give me an applause. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. So not enough of this funny business. Anything else we want to talk about, Doug, before we dive into some other things? Anything you want to say? Um, Do you want to thank I'm, Karen I'm for ready. last week? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Karen coming on the show last week, was really it was really fun having a guest. Um, and mm-hmm. I so appreciate her being, you know, showing the same vulnerability that I shared and sharing some of her, her story and her journey. Um, and, and I think, and we didn't get to talk about this that much this week, Doug, but, um, you know, right after that show, we really... You know, I felt like we were starting to f- figure it out a little bit of what we wanted to do with the show. And we're still, it's going to take us a little bit to kind of get there. But I think we both agree that having guests on the show and particularly having other people share their journeys uh, or yeah. even where they're at right now with their walk with God um, is something I'm really looking forward to. Absolutely. And speaking of which, uh, I just, you uh, blew a little wind that. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Let me do this then, Doug. Did I did I do this to you? <laughs> did I blow your mind? You did. You did. Right. It helped me remember uh, something is speaking of guests that potentially next week or at some yeah. point in the near future, we're going to have our better halves on the show. So that's going to be fun. I know that the people are watching uh, from my end are surprised because it seems like Annette is on my shows all the time now. She's uh, stealing, stealing my spotlight a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I yes. think we're going to try for it next week. We don't have it finalized yet to have Annetta, um, <coughs> excuse me, and Monica on. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, you'll get to see kind of a different side and see, again, see our better halves and kind of think the, the, the puppeteers. Oh yeah. I can't us. wait to, 
hear what Monica says because she's a loose cannon. I meant she, she'll just fire, you know, New York, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican. Right, straight, straight from the hip. She's wearing it on her sleeve. So it's going to be interesting. We'll have to, hopefully we'll have we won't be, have to edit out anything. <laughs> we have to be careful what topics we bring to them. True. Um, very true. Yeah. And, and there's a good chance because Annette will just feed off Monica too. We may, you may see all four of us on the camera at some point. You might not see Doug and I, we may just, <laughs> we just may bow out and let them finish the show. Who knows? Um, but you know, I, I haven't even thought about what we want to talk about with them. Um, from our selfish standpoint, again, it's a, it's a, a way for us to spend more time with you guys and, and so forth. But, uh, um, I haven't even thought about what topics we'll talk about. I mean, I would, I really would like to hear more of Annetta's perspective on everything that's happened in the last year with me. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we, we've been in the midst of it and we really don't talk about, you know, what was it like when she got that call and not knowing she was going to land and if I was going to be alive or not and, yeah. you know, the kids and, and, and also hearing some of the things I've shared with everybody and how is right. she feeling with me being this vulnerable and bringing spotlight to those things. And, um, you know, we just haven't talked about it that much cause we've been busy and, and so forth. So yeah, I'm interested to see what she says. Yes. They, they'll be able to give a little bit more insight into us as well. We've tried to unpack ourselves a little bit in terms of our history and our stories, but, uh, it's truly not complete unless the, the wives are sharing their perspective and, Definitely. and, and, you know, us sharing how they've contributed to, you know, us being the people that we are today too. So I just noticed your camera's a little off, Doug. Like, there you go. Is it? No, not you, me. Oh, okay. See, you, oh, you, you okay. oh, see, I just blew that. See, here we go. All right. See my overlay. <laughs> see, I had oh. you, I had you like this. Ah, uh, through the magic I totally of, missed that. Through the magic of Ecamm, I can just do that. And we're all nice. live right on the spot. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Um, thank you, Ecamm. All right. Again, if you're watching from home, uh, please feel free to say hi. We'd love for you to just say hi in the chat and tell us where you're calling in from, just kind of so we know who's out there. And feel free to comment anything you're hearing uh, as we dive, especially when we dive into Doug's book, ask any questions or comments, concerns. We want to hear it all. So, yep. um, yeah. So I think that's all we have. We're going to kind of dive into... The book, finally. Um, and we touched about this the first week. We've teased it a lot over the first three episodes. Um, of Are we doing church wrong? Um, and I've also mentioned that I lost my Kindle with all my notes for two weeks in a row. And I did find, um, well, I found I was able to pull up my notes on my phone through the Kindle app. However, the font is very small and I'm 54 years old. And I can't really see it. So you found the microscopic version of yeah, your notes. Yeah, and I can't really blow it up while I'm online and do the production stuff. So it's gonna I'm just gonna sit back and listen and respond like everybody else at home. So um so I'll let you I'll let you take it away and see how you wanna kinda introduce the book in your in your in your process and so forth. No problem, thank you. Um so I wrote this book and it's my first book, released August third of last year. Ah! Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> we lost Jay for a second there. Oh, God, I have. All right. That almost came out my nose. Sorry. Wrong, wrong hole. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. right. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> all good. What a way to, you know, to jump right in, right? Yeah. Uh, Jay's laughing. I don't know why Jay's laughing, but. <laughs> oh. 
applause so anyway, was funny. Uh, but yeah, it was. It yeah. was. Yay. Um, so anyway, I, this was my first book. Uh, probably about a year's worth of actual writing the book. But I had written the material much earlier. Maybe started actually writing it 10 years before I actually wrote the book. Uh, bits and pieces of it were coming. Revelation, I felt like God was giving me revelation on certain things for a while. And so a couple of years ago during our house church, I started um, kind of unpacking it, teaching it as a, uh, a Bible study and a series. And so once I kind of got into that, uh, into things, I realized this really probably should be a book. And so I switched gears and I started just figuring out outline wise what it was going to look like. The reason I wrote it, and and I'll give you a, a, a take on the title. I actually had a much more academic title for myself, and uh, when I had written it, which we'll get into in the future on the five major foundational identities of the church. That's a, obviously a big part of the book um, because it's talking about how God does has designed and defined church. Um, but you know, I realized that title is not going to move many people to pick up the book. <laughs> uh, it was too academic. And I polled people, I pulled a ton of believers who I have relationships with. And, and my wife actually came up with the, the now title, are we doing church wrong? Cause essentially you're asking a question and it's up to the reader to decide how they want to answer it. Right. So I'm not mm -hmm. superimposing necessarily, you know, mm -hmm. this is what church is supposed to look like. Uh, I do get into what I believe the Bible says clearly church is supposed to be. Um, so as I, you know, put this, uh, you know, kind of together, I realized we needed to ask that question based on the things I was seeing in the scriptures, as well as current church practices. And I've been a, on staff on a, several, quite a few churches. I've attended quite a few churches. I've had, a, you know, I've been East Coast Bible Belt. I've been West Coast. I've been to churches in other parts of the country. So I've, I've got a good, you know, 35 years worth of going to different churches and seeing how church is done across the spectrum. Um, but before I get into the meat, uh, uh, well, it won't be meat tonight, but before I set the table tonight, we're going to get into the, the courses more as we move forward in different episodes. But I want to make a disclaimer. And so if you see this and you're like, are we doing church wrong? I, I just want to let you know from my perspective as the author, I'm not saying every church is wrong uh, or bad. Um, and I'm not saying every believer that, you know, goes to church, they're doing it wrong. Um, but we have to understand church is a part of God's plans for our lives. And so to just, you know, kind of just say, I'm done with church or, you know, I've had so many bad experiences, you know, I'll never go back or I don't need church, uh, you know, and I hear these statements all the time from people and they've got legitimate reasons why they're making those statements. They've had bad experiences. They've had church hurts. They've had, you know, even abuse in some cases, or they've been bored or they don't understand the purpose of church or they think they're fine without it, right? It's just me and God, that's all I need. Um, we need to understand that God designed church. And we're gonna, we're gonna deep dive into some of that uh, as we get into the five foundational identities. But I wrote this book because I really wanted people who have had those experiences or 
have said to themselves, you know, I'm done to realize uh, we can't be done with something God's not done with. And, uh, and yes, our human experience and the things that we've seen have kind of made a black eye, just as yeah. Christian culture has given God a black yeah. eye many, many, many times, uh, you know, imperfect people in church have given the church yep. a bad name and, and there's been horrific stuff. I am not minimizing that at all. I'm just saying we need to get back into the word. We need to understand what the scriptures say church really is. And we need to do our best to get back to that. What I refer to as a divine design, right? He mm -hmm. designed it. He defined it. And it's a it's essential, an essential part of our spiritual growth, right? So we think, oh, I can just, you know, cruise along, you know, do my daily devotional, read my Bible every once in a while, listen to good worship music, pray here or there, and I'll, I'll grow and I'll mature and I'll be a better Christian. Well, that has a ceiling on it pretty quick because a, a big part of God's design for the church is that we would help each other grow. And that's through mutual encouragement. That's through praying for one another. That's using our spiritual gifts. That's, uh, you know, being there in crisis moments, uh, comforting people who need comfort, loving people who need love. So God figured that out ahead of time that we needed to do that in community. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we get into the five identities that the first foundational one is family that he desires us to be family with one another. And, and, you know, of course we mentioned, a podcast or two ago that, uh, you know, because we have such dysfunction in our normal families, uh, oftentimes we bring that into our spiritual family as well. So, but we'll, we'll be able to address that. We'll, we'll go into that. Um, so as I mentioned, the problem is really twofold. One of which is that all we've seen or experienced in church, uh, we've realized there are certain things and maybe many things in certain cases that are off right the way we're doing stuff you know and then we we go to on a sunday morning or whenever it is that we go and we have this experience and then we look in the bible and we read the bible and we go wow this is radically different from what i'm reading in the scriptures mm -hmm. you know the early church new testament church the book of acts the gospels what we see them do we don't see much of mm -hmm. in church so that's a part of it where we're experiencing this, you know, uh, in, you know, something that that rubs us the wrong way in mm -hmm. our church experience. And the second thing is church leadership really hasn't been doing church according to the Bible for a while. Um, you know, so I think they have some of the elements or as I say in my second book that I'm now working on, which is the follow up to this one. Um, they have some of the right ingredients, but they don't have the right recipe. Do you think um, it's, do you think that's, do you think that's just how the church has evolved and, and it's just, we're so far removed from, from the original church now that, you know, it's just become, you know, traditional. It's, these are our traditions. This is our foundation that it's kind of morphed into something that was so far off. Do you think it's that, or do you think it was more of a purposeful, it was intentionally driven this way? by well i think there's a little bit of both actually probably more of what you're describing and but there was some intentionality you know in the dark ages to make you know to basically be corrupt <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and and um and we've thankfully moved out of that 
for the most part, even even though that still exists in, in individual congregations here and there. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's what you're saying, far removed from the original, so far removed from the original. I mean, you look at the progression of the early church fathers, you know, in the first couple of centuries into Constantine institutionalizing and, you know, making the church an organization as opposed to what it was before that. And then into the dark ages and the, the middle ages where the church became corrupt, they saw it as an opportunity to, you know, to have power and to, yeah. and be greedy and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, just, ugh shudder when I think about that stuff, yeah. you know, and then, but then we had the Protestant Reformation. I think that, that some of the issues were that they just, you know, fallible kind of interpretation of, oh, this is, you know, this is okay. If we do this, we can leave this out or we can, mm -hmm. you know, overlook that, or we can, you know, just insert our tradition here. Uh, it's, you know, that's where we've ended up in, in this modern day where it is a lot of tradition. Um, it is a lot of man-made things and some of it works. Um, a lot of it doesn't, uh, you know, so I address that in the book when I talk about new wine, new wine skins, old wine, old wine skins, um, you know, that, uh, God's constantly wanting to do new things. Um, you know, the question is, will we hear him? Will we respond to him? Will we obey him? in moving in shifting into and moving into the new as opposed to the very comfortable uh old traditions and things that we've kind of got settled into where it's like well no this works for me you know yeah and and i think a lot of people go to church with that mindset which is uh you know this routine brings me great comfort mm -hmm. in the midst of you know the struggles and things that i have to go through on a weekly basis so it works, but it's it's really old wine and an old wineskin. And and when Jesus addresses that, he says, you know, no one who tastes the old wine wants the new wine because the old is good enough. So when you settle for a good enough Christianity, you know, you're missing out on many things that God wants to the many new things that God wants to bring into your life. And so as a church, we've kind of done that church culture. We've kind of done that. And um, we just need to get out of that frame of mind, right? So I, I address this in my book where I say churches, what did I, I'm trying to remember how I exactly phrased it, but churches basically become, for most believers, um, a building, a service or an event, mm -hmm. or a, I'm trying to get my fingers in the camera here and I keep <laughs> going the wrong direction, uh, or an organization or a combination of those yeah. three things, right? So that's how we approach church. Mm -hmm. I, even growing up in the Bible Belt and as a very young believer at 17, that's how I viewed church. I, I, I passed by the church, which was less than a mile from my house, right? So there's the building. I went to church on a Sunday morning. There's my service. There's my event. Uh, and then I viewed it as, hey, I know a bunch of people who belong to my church. They are members of an organization. Yeah. Right. But when we get into the scriptures, God doesn't define the church in any of those three ways. It's not a building. Right. As a matter of fact, he got the Jews out of the temple. Uh, you know, if, if you look, there's parallels into the Old Testament and how God worked with, you know, his people in Israel uh, in the same way. Um, it's not an event. It's not a service. Right. And God moved people away from being very 
hardcore strict with the Sabbath, right? He still mm -hmm. calls us to a Sabbath rest, mm -hmm. but we don't have to necessarily be, you know, sun up to sundown, or excuse me, sundown to sundown, Friday to Saturday, which is the actual Sabbath, mm -hmm. right? And Paul addresses this in the New Testament. Um, and it's not an organization, right? And that's kind of where the Jewish people ended up when Jesus showed up on the scene, which was they had the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, and it had become about being a part of yeah. an organization rather than being tribes and families. Uh, it became a religious institution. Uh, and God's moving us out of that as well. Um, he's looking for us to connect with people, be relational uh, in our interactions with one another, as even as we gather in large gatherings, that it's it's relational, it's not transactional, right? If I, as a person, come to church and say, I'm here to get something, right? Which I address that yeah. in the book too, yeah. right? It's better to, better to give than receive. If I'm coming to church to just to receive, just to get worship team, you lead me in awesome worship. Pastor, you preach the most awesome message that I've ever heard that speaks directly to the things that I'm going through and struggling with, right? Or if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to go try to find another church that's transactional and they're meeting the transactional demands that i'm putting on them instead of relational which is yeah. as i talk about in the book what am i here to give to somebody right it's not just the pastor that has something to give it's not just the worship yeah. leader or the sunday school teacher that has something to give i have something to give and if i'm not intentional about seeking that out and looking for it then i'm missing the boat on things that i believe god wants to do as far as what we're designed to do as the church body. Yeah. I like, I, I, I really, that spoke to me when I read the book, that whole section on that. Cause I never really, never really consciously thought about that. Um, Cause my, my background with churches, we, we talked a little bit about it. So spotty that, you know, I've walked away from churches just because of some of the, actually I use the word hypocrisy um, that I'm seeing. Annetta had an issue with me using the word hypocrisy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe next week we'll talk about that. I, I didn't quite understand what she was getting at. Um, right. You know, she was seeing the hypocrisy as, as, you know, just flaws in the individual. Uh, and I don't know, she'll, she'll explain it a little bit later, but that, that, that particular part of the book spoke because I didn't really think of it in those terms. And I kind of think that's where I am now is looking at how I can, I can give, I never really have in the past. It's more, but I, I need some, something right now. I need more, um, I never really thought about it in terms of, um, of what I can give and, and maybe not even feeling I was worthy to give or, or I had anything to give. Um, so, yeah. And, and I pulled that out of, a, um, and I'll back up even further cause you had mentioned this pre-show, um, you know, talking about the divine reset. So, um, as I was, had most of the material written, just not in book form, you know, we hit 2020 and, and church was upended for everybody. I mean, you know, basically church had consistently gone on for centuries and decades in some cases as mm -hmm. later, yeah. you know, denominations and churches were, sure. were birthed, but, you know, for centuries doing the same thing that they had been doing, right? Like I could show up at my Methodist church and I can go, okay, this is pretty close to what Wesley was doing back in the day when he started the Methodist church and, yeah. you know, same thing with other denominations and, and the people who founded them. Um, so when 2020 hit and 
all of a sudden nobody's doing church the way that they used to do church, right? Online only, if you gather together, you can only, you know, have a certain amount of people or in California's case, you can't sing. <laughs> What's the point of going to church? I yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to get in the political side of things, yeah. but, you know, but it, it just wrecked everybody's routine. Yeah. And so my hope was out of that, and we haven't completely come out of that, that people would look back and go, maybe we need to reassess how we did things for centuries and decades and kind mm -hmm. of see what's bringing life, what's working, what's impacting and transforming culture as well as people, um, you know, and maybe think about doing things differently. Now that's happened to a certain extent from a technological side of things, yeah. right? So online churches has boomed, uh, you know, and it is helping people who otherwise wouldn't go to church or can't, can't go to church. Yeah. yeah. Or they're looking for church and they're not going to walk through a front door, but maybe they'll mm -hmm. check it out right. online first. So I, I think that's a great addition, uh, you know, to the church repertoire, if you will, mm -hmm. but it doesn't take the place yeah. of, you know, being the church gathered together. We're, we're called to that. And um, so that was, you know, kind of a, when I saw, you know, is my book relevant or is it, you know, is it going to speak to anybody? When that hit and those things happened, I realized, yes, this is a good yeah. space to, you know, to ask this question. Are we doing church wrong? If so, how do we, how do we fix it? And so this, this revelation that God gave me in the beginning about my own approach to church was the thing that really kind of set the wheels in motion here. And this, and this came out of Proverbs 24, 27, uh, where it says, do your work in the field first and afterward, make it ready in the field first and afterwards build your house. And I, for the longest time, I meant like years and years into my Christianity, I had no clue what that meant. Right. I looked up, you know, commentaries and people who had written specifically about that verse and and i just for me i was like okay practically speaking that makes no sense right if you moved into an area the first thing you're going to be if you know if you're a prepper survivalist yeah. or you know or you just you know are moving you need shelter right you're not going to start your work and and camp out in the open i you know so anyway maybe a cultural thing or a, a, a age thing in terms of you know, the age we live in versus yeah. the age they lived in. Yeah. But for the longest time, I was stumped on that. And then one day as I'm reading First Corinthians 3, God leads me to a section of, of scripture where Paul's talking and he says, you are God's field, God's building. And just this little light bulb went off and I thought, where have I heard field and building before? And then that scripture in Proverbs came jumping into my spirit. And I was like, okay, I need to kind of see if I can put these two together if, if they work. And as I went back, read Proverbs, went back to first Corinthians and, and God started unpacking some things for me in that scripture where he said, you know, uh, Paul talks about, he says in that context, he says, you're a plant and you're, and you, the purpose of you as a plant in the field is to produce fruit. Um, and, and it's only going to produce fruit if you care for it, if you do the things that it needs, rain, sun, you know, nutrients, those things are important. But then he led me to a second scripture in first Peter two, five, I believe it is, 
that it said, you are God's, you are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. So he showed me that we are also a building. Individually, we're living stones, but together, God's wanting to build a spiritual house. And so I was like, okay, now some of this is making sense, right? But then I had to ask the question and I had to know the answer to it. Why the order? Why do the work in the field first and build your house? It still seemed backwards to me. Mm -hmm. And then God led me to the final scripture in, in first Kings uh, chapter six, I believe, where it says, um, while they were building Solomon's temple, there was not a tool heard in the house where it was being built uh, on the site. Uh, no ax, no hammer, no saw. All the finishing work for the things that were going to build Solomon's temple, the stones, the wood, everything was done offsite in the field, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then it was brought and fitted together, right? So I'll unpack this real quickly. Yeah. Um, we are God's field and God's building. Individually, we are his field or we're the plants in the field. And God wants to grow us individually before he fits us together in his house as a church. Um, and practically how that breaks down for me is that we approach church or we have been culturally speaking, and I, I was doing this too, as I go Sunday morning to get filled up. To, that so I can survive Monday through Saturday, mm -hmm. right? And I'll come back, and and I found out many ch Christians this is how they approach church, mm -hmm. right? I'm going because I had a rough week, and I need encouragement, and I need you know good scripture, and I need good worship, and and so I can get filled back up again, feel like okay, I'm not dying, you know, I'm not uh, dying on the vine, and then go back out for my week of whatever it is, hard, hard work environment, you know, hard family life, you know, uh, persecution, whatever, yeah. and survive and come back around on Sundays. But Sundays wasn't designed for that, first of all. And second of all, God doesn't just want you on Sundays. He wants you Monday through Saturday. Right. And if we yield to the process of growing and maturing, which is God's design for us as individuals, uh, during the week, it actually puts us in a place where we come together on Sundays and going back to what we talked about earlier, we have something to give instead of needing to get right. So this was the radical shift for me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm making a connection of, to that identity quote that I had mentioned in that first, I was trying to see if I have the, the screen. Um, cause it talks do I have it here, uh, Jay? I put it up here. Um, book, meantime, is that? No, that's not it. Anyways, that, that <laughs> quote on identity talks exactly about that. Um, and may, I think that's what you're you're getting at. i got to go back to the screen now. See, I'm all out of whack now. About, you know, taking care of our, you know, growing personally, uh, you yeah. know, with God first before we can, you know, fully walk in his purpose for us. So I'll get yes. back to the screen here. Absolutely. And that, and that works both as individuals and as the church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we don't understand who God made us to be, yeah. we're not going to understand what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so as individuals, if our thought process is I'm just a spectator, I'm an attender, you know, I'm a member, 
right? Uh, I just show up on Sundays. I get my, you know, two hours worth of stuff. I hope it sustains me for, for six more days till I can get back here again, right? We're not really understanding our identity. And we'll dive right. into this because yeah. each of the five major foundational identities has its roots in our individual identity first. And then there's a corporate identity that's birthed out of that. Um, yeah. that we walk in and Think so about putting like, the mask yeah. on yourself first before. You right. Know. Helping, helping yeah. your loved one or yeah. neighbor. Uh, yeah. And so that's really the, you know, the thing, which is we have to get out of this consumer driven church mindset that says I'm there to get something right. You know, even if it's like, you know, well, I pay a tithe. So, yeah. you know, I'm owed, I'm owed this. I'm owed right someone to take care of me, someone to speak spiritually into my life. No, not at all. We are a tribe. We are a family. We are a community. Everybody has something to give. Everybody has something to offer, even on a Sunday morning. The question is, are we going to approach church in it with a different lens, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're going to say, oh, I'm there to give. Also, I'm not just there to receive, right. uh, you know, and that comes from a standpoint of people who are going to church and people who are leading churches. Yeah. Right. So that, that comes out pretty strong in my book that we've got to change the equation. Yeah, definitely. And I think that to me is like the, the leadership part of this. I think, you know, especially where I'm at now, I'm, I'm kind of there where I'm wanting to, to give uh, more of me. And I, I think the churches are set up to, aren't set up for, to allow people to do that except for people in leadership or part of the ministry in some way the, the, the lay people, if you will, aren't given or even allowed to offer their gifts, right? Cause they're not in the inner circle or whatever it may be. So I think the right. leadership structure and the structure of the, the, you know, the modern churches and what, how did you, what did you call them? Modern American Christianity. Yeah. Um, um yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think it's structured in a way that um, discourages people from from doing that in, in a lot of cases um, and, and certainly don't make it easy for them to do so. I mean, you really have to be proactive and kind of force your way in in a lot of cases to, to do that, um, which is, yeah. I think, frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, Francis Chan, who many people will know, some people won't. But if you look up his story, <clears throat> uh, he was a mega church pastor out here in uh, in Simi Valley and also I he may have had a church in San Francisco as well, but, um, you know, he had a couple thousand people attending his church on Sundays and he got the light bulb moment where he thought I'm, you know, people are coming to hear me one person mm -hmm. share my gift. Uh, and they're all spectators, you know, they're just nobody, they're not getting an opportunity to use their gifts at all. Um, you know, so that helped confirm what I was hearing from God. And, and knowing I'm sure there are many more stories like that out there uh, and probably even of leaders. And, you know, when he said, I'm stepping down from my pastorate, the Christian community did not understand it all. Right. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was office rocker. They couldn't understand, you know, why he would make that decision when things were going so well right. with him having a big organization. But he realized we need to do church differently. Now, he since then has started a house church organization called We Are Church. And, and they've started a bunch of house churches. Um, that's my model of preference. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to dig into that in my second book. Uh, but what you're, I want to speak to what you talked about just now, which is, yeah, churches aren't set up for that. Um, you know, they, 
they don't mind you serving mm-hmm. or volunteering, you know, mm-hmm. to help the cogs of the machine. A predefined, keep, a predefined right, thing. Predefined right. role yeah. and, and, and space for you to possibly use your gift. You may end up in a ministry that is not necessarily you're gifted in, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there are holes, right? And I've been a, a part of the staff culture that's, you know, but, you know, put that out before the people and said, this, this is your only opportunity, right, mm-hmm. to be involved. Um, and I've been a part of it as a, an attender who's, you know, helped out in, in certain areas. My wife, same thing. Um, but yes, it's, it's, a, it's a broken system, I believe, that's not allowing people to fully participate. But again, there aren't a lot of church people that are looking for that. And this is right. kind of the the cycle that it's keeps giving up their itself. power and yeah, prestige yeah, and, and yeah. But they don't they don't even know spiritually speaking that there's a place for them. Mm-hmm. Right? They think because of the tradition and the culture that we've all been groomed in from the time we were yeah. kids on, you know, time I started going to church at 2 3 whatever that I can actually remember, right? It's like this is how we do church. Right. Right. So it that just keeps perpetuating itself. And until both those who are attending and those who are leading churches get a different viewpoint and their eyes are open to see, oh, my gosh, um, then it's going to keep going the same way that it is, which is the reason I wrote this specific book. This first book was to basically say we need to see God's church according to his word before we can be. God's church, according to his word. So this was hopefully opening spiritual eyes um, with the goal of just saying, this is what God's called us to. This is his divine design. We've got to get back to that. Yeah. I can't wait for people to hear, you know, what that design is. I think for me reading it and not knowing, um, you know, I'm not as knowledgeable in uh, on church history and and how they're run and so forth. But for me, I just, just from my perspective, it was, it was so eye opening um, and so far removed from where we are. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think, at least I'm hoping, you know, going through these last couple of years with COVID and, and, you know, as much as I was talking to somebody today um, and he had, he was seeing COVID as a blessing uh, in mm. the spiritual sense that it is waking people up to, um, their true identities to change to what we're doing is not working, uh, not just in the church, but other places. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's caused people to question, to look for answers, to look for alternatives. Um, and, and, and there's so much talent and there's so many stories and so many journeys out there and that one person doesn't have, yeah, I see what you're saying with your fingers. I'm trying to put, um, (laughs) one person, it doesn't make sense for one person to be the expert. Now I'm involved with an organization called exchange. And that's the whole point is like, we can crowdsource our spiritual gifts. We can crowdsource and tap into the the collective knowledge of the entire congregation, the entire church and how much that would move us forward. Um, and be inclusive and, you know, so many other things, but it's a, it's a radically different approach. Um, it is. And people have to be ready for it and be open to it. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has a piece of the puzzle to bring, mm-hmm. to put in to the, you know, on the table to create the bigger picture. Right. And that's the way it's designed. We'll, when we get into the body and how God designed the body with the different gifts, we'll, we'll, we'll break that down even more. But um, yeah, it's, 
it's really, you know, my, my take on it would be, I'd say God didn't cause COVID, but he certainly will use it sure. uh, for his purposes, right? Romans eight twenty eight says all things work to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, God saw it as a moment. The, the real issue and question is, will we see the moment that he's bringing us to the crossroads, the opportunity for reset, for shift, for doing things differently, for getting back to the foundational, you know, again, divine design that God put in his word? Or are we just going to want to go back to what we were doing because the old wine is good enough and, yeah. uh, you know, we're used to it. And so why bring in the new? You know, what you just did there, uh, bringing back up the the, uh, the wine, is I found that in your book that for me, again, not knowing much about church and being that intelligent about it, I loved how you brought everything back around. I, I just mm-hmm. thought it was so well written. And, and for me reading it, it was easier to follow um, because you started at a point and you, and, and you went out and... And a lot of a lot of writers kind of just go this way with it instead of bringing it yeah. back to the point. They don't even get back to their initial point. I think that's just you know modern writers just a lot of times do that. They get sidetracked where there's so many points they want to make that you did a really really great job of not only using the perfect uh, scripture references to it, but also bringing it back around. I think you did that you know that same thing right there uh, with you know talking about the wine. So I just wanted to say that. Sorry. Oh, thank you. And I'm going to I'm going to give a shout out to my one of my former pastors, Pastor Guy, um, because, you know, I was I had preached a a little bit uh, up to the point where I came on staff at Coast Christian with him. And um, he told me one time, he he said, you know, and he probably got this in schooling. I'm more of the school of hard knocks and and just. I had experience. I've been in full-time ministry since I was 17 years old. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't had a ton of pulpit time. Time. Mm-hmm. And I will say one other thing in relationship to Pastor Guy. He opened his pulpit a lot. A lot of pastors, preachers, mm-hmm. you know, the senior leaders of the churches. They are the guy. And you only hear from them. I, yeah. you know, I think I think that's not what God wants. And and yeah. I have to get into more of his design for yeah. leadership within yeah. the church that may come in my second book. It actually will come in my second book, I but, hope. but he gave, yes, but he gave me, um, the, the opportunity to hone my craft of speaking and, and writing sermons, which helped me write better Bible studies, helped me write mm-hmm. better teachings, uh, eventually helped me be a better author. And the one thing that he said, was that I that I took to heart. He said, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then mm-hmm. tell them what you told them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he said, if you want people to remember what you said, yeah. you have to really use that formula. So that's been helpful as a writer to realize I need to circle back around. I mm-hmm. need to close this door, you know, or close on something solid or co- close on the point that I'm really trying mm-hmm. to emphasize and make. And, and I think that it does help people, you know, to, you know, be able to take it and, and, and chew on it yeah. and, and understand it better. So yeah, that's, that was my intent. Yeah. It, it made it, it made it more powerful for me um, and impactful. And every time I try to read books along these lines or, you know, similar type books, um, it, it, it's hard for me to follow or it's hard for me to pause and reflect 
Mm. It's hard for me to sit and think about what I just read in a lot of cases. And because you did that, it was easy for me to kind of come to that stopping point and then reflect on what you're saying and, um, you know, and, 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 and do this and do this. Wait a minute. How do I do this? Uh, uh, I do this and I, I ponder. <laughs> ponder. Um, uh, I love it. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm able to do that with, uh, you know, the way you wrote the book. And so I, I appreciated it. Um, you know, it just added to the, the power and your credibility and, and so forth. So, um, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Do you want to, you want to kind of leave it there? Do you want to, you know, dive into some more? Does this make sense to you to. Yeah, I think this is a good stopping point. Um, you know, uh, we can get into some specifics next week. Uh, like I told you earlier, I really felt like tonight is setting the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is what this, this book is about and then we can get into the the courses the the actual different meals uh mm-hmm. of the different identities and uh, and dive deeper into it um but this will give people a good idea of where we're coming from and and uh we can go go into it uh, piece by piece yeah um i will put a link to the book in the description i'll, I'll put it on facebook uh in the facebook page as well it'll, it'll it'll i think it already is in the description on the show on youtube and facebook uh but we'll so on the description of the video it's in there but i'll put we'll put a link to the book I- as well is there anything awesome. in preparing for tonight that you you left out that you want to talk about or are you are you i think i'm pretty good okay. I, I i really feel like um you know this is going to be, you know, brand new for a lot of people. I mean, you know, and it, even with the kind of little bit that I shared, it, it it's a lot to digest, especially if yeah. you've been doing church a certain way yeah. for a long period of time. It's kind of like, whoa, you know, that's that's a lot of change. And, and we need to understand that part in part of God's process, he uses change to change us. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. When we get too comfortable and, and speaking of wine uh you know analogies i i talked about um there's a passage of scripture um in the old testament i think it's hosea where it talks about um them coming and tipping over jars um because what they used to do to purify wine in the old days they Mm -hmm. had these big vessels or vases large vases Mm -hmm. full of of wine that they got after they processed the grapes and they would let all the sediment settle to the bottom and then they would pour from vessel to vessel and a lot, if not all of the sediment that had settled to the bottom impurifications would be left in the old jar. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if he was talking about in this passage, scripture says, if you don't, if you haven't been, you know, poured from vessel to vessel, I'm, I'm going to bring, let somebody come and tip your jar over, um, you know, and, the reason for that is because when we resist the change that God wants to do individually or as a church, right, we are letting those settlement sediments and impurities kind of stick around. And God doesn't want to do that. His Romans 8, 29, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture of all time, says he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And I believe that's true as individuals, that he wants us to look as much like Jesus as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And as the church, he wants the church to look like Jesus as much as we possibly can. And so, you know, we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to get out of our traditions, our routines. We have to ask God and say, you know, do you want me to do something differently? I've been doing this for years and years and Mm -hmm. years. 
is this still producing life? Is this still producing fruit? Is this still yeah. producing blessing? Or has it become a stale religious routine in my life? So we have to ask that question again as individuals and as the church. Yeah, I think that um, it's funny that you mentioned it because just when I found my notes like 10 minutes before the show started, that's one of the passages that I highlighted about being poured from vessel to vessel. Uh, so that's yeah. one of the things I, I pulled out. So, um, you know, it's, you know, we hear so much about change and we all know people that are reluctant to change or incapable or think they're incapable. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I think about your book and, and, and where the church is and where we need it to be. And it's, it's daunting because there's so many people out there. And a lot of those people are people that are in power because they don't want to change. You know, yeah. they don't want to lose their status and their power and their money. Um, and so sometimes I get a little daunted. Or it's, I'm intimidated by that. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear from those people. I'm interested to hear what they think of your book. Um, you know, through either a first read or a second read or just hearing you talk about it. Um, and maybe there are people out there um, over the next, you know, few weeks, months or whatever and hear this, I'd love to hear it, you know, the other side of this that, you know, say, wait a minute, hold on, hold on a second. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. It's working out. I want people to question you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've run into that in the short amount of time the book's been out yet. Um, or even people with that, you know, in, in ministry are questioning or, you know, saying, Hey, you know, slow your roll, Doug. Um, <laughs> uh, have you run into any I, of that? Cause I'm, 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 I'm fascinated. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear their perspective. I mean, they're wrong, but no, sorry. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I, I have my take, I have my convictions. Um, I have had some conversations with people. I have gotten a general take from even some people in, in leadership, church leadership that they've said, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's, and it, but it's a big ship to turn. I mean, yeah. it's like the yeah. cruise liner. It's not going to turn yeah. on a dime. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take, you know, uh, people to come to an agreement, yeah. you know, that they, they see it that way. I've, I've gotten great feedback. I really haven't got too much pushback. I'm waiting. I really would yeah. love to yeah. hear from somebody who would be like, no, 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 no. You know, we're, we're getting along great. Uh, we don't need to change a thing yeah. or maybe, you know, whatever, but yeah, yeah, I would love to hear it. So if well, there's I somebody think, out there, please, please, you know, I also think back. when you talk about, you know, other leaders, I think there's a lot of leaders out there that maybe feel the same way or have, have had similar thoughts or read your book. You're like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. But too afraid to go out on that limb yet. With yeah. You, you I know? mean, I, I've got people that are real close to me and I'll say it this way. They are stuck mm -hmm. in a, in a broken system. Yeah. Right. And, and we've been there, we've been on staff at churches. We've, you know, had our livelihood tied to a position mm -hmm. and it, it re is really hard to, uh, sorry. I we can, we can still see again. you. We can still see. Yeah. You. Okay, good. <laughs> it's just, I freak out when I'm like, <laughs> ah, where'd everybody go? Um, so, you know, they're, they're stuck in a broken system and they're, and they're tied to a, a position and a paycheck. It is really hard to make life altering decisions from that. Monica and I have done it. Um, yeah. You know, so for us, we kind of go, you know, we can breathe a sigh of relief because we saw God provide for us and take mm -hmm. care of us and lead us into the new stuff that he wanted for us. But mm -hmm. I, you know, we didn't have kids. So I can't imagine right. being a, a, a right. pastor with a wife and three or four kids and going, honey, 
we're doing church wrong. We, you yeah. know, we need to get out of this broken system, yeah. you know, and up and just, yeah. you know, uprooting yourself. So it's, it, it is a scary, it can be a scary thing. And I think leadership wise too, it's like, there are organizations that kind of, you know, they have oversight over some of the people I've talked to. So mm -hmm. they don't have carte blanche to sure. say, we're going to change this, that, and the other. Right. So it, it's a big change. Uh, I think it's a necessary change, but it's a, it's going to be a slow change. I believe. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I, again, I hope the the state of the world, COVID, you know, all of us questioning more than we ever have. Um, I hope that makes things a little bit easier uh, and opens more hearts and minds to this idea. Um, yeah, I I think it's going to catch fire. It's just you know, it's one of those things that's yeah, it's going to gonna be a slow burn for a while and then the wind's gonna pick up and then and then and then take it um because i think once I'm, you I'm, read it you know i mean you, it, it makes sense and it's not anything radical or dra i mean it's drastic because it, it, well, it changed but and there's nothing radical about it it makes perfect sense and and i think if people are being honest with themselves and their churches they know the system is broken and again not we're not painting every church that way and that all right. churches are doing things wrong. And then, you know, that's not what you're saying. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but we, you know, we need to question and we need to, we need to look at things like we do every, everywhere else, but we've, yeah. you know, religion is one of those things that is slow to change, you know? Yes. Um, so very, very much so. I, and I will say this is, is kind of a quasi disclaimer, which especially specifically in relationship to this first book, I do believe it's possible to change culture and change the way we approach going to church and even being a leader in a church uh, into the things that I bring up in this book without necessarily having to quit an organization or change mm, yeah. an organization or any of that kind of stuff. It's just doing yeah. church the way God designed it to yeah. be done. So you yeah. can be in a large gathering and, and you can do these things. It's just looking at it with a different lens. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good, that's a really good point. Cause yeah, I didn't, when I read it, it, I didn't see it as just like a total upheaval of every like we're gonna break everything down and rebuild. Um, right. We can't really do that, um, and I don't think you need to. I think again, yeah, it's just seeing it in a different way, and coming to an agreement. And you know, for, the first thing is ha just having the conversations. You know, it's having getting the conversation started. Um, yeah. If we don't, if we can't talk about these things, if we're, you know, and I think in the past we've been too afraid to bring these things up, even because there's you know. You know, there's people that have thought of similar things in the past and they've been ostracized or whatever because of the timing right. and the place and everything. Um, and maybe their approach and, and everything else. There's a lot of other factors to it, obviously. But, um, you know, if we're not willing to to listen and take a look, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the hardest thing. That's the biggest hurdle is just to, you know, be willing to broach it. The conversation honestly with yourself uh you know with the people that are closest to you uh potentially you know leaders uh within the church and and, and so it's really you know taking that first step and going yeah okay I'll, I'll i'll entertain it so one of the things that i i purposely do is i'll read stuff that i know i don't I, or at least i think on the surface level anyway i don't agree with yeah and um because I want it to challenge me, right? A lot of it confirms things that I, mm -hmm. I believe and it, and it just, you know, kind of solidifies my mm -hmm. convictions. Um, but I'm open to be changed, right? Yeah. So I'll tell people from a theological standpoint, I never let a person dictate my theology, 
right? That's between me and God and the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says he leads us into all truth and he teaches us all things, mm -hmm. right? But I will absolutely let somebody challenge my theology, right? Because mm -hmm. all that does is, is put me back at, you know, at the table with an open Bible and saying, God, is this true? Yeah. Right. And, and so for people who are, you know, struggling, you know, with like, I don't, you know, this is what my theology is and this is what my pastor says. And, you know, I'm, I'm never going to deviate from that. I would say, come on, give it yeah. a, a chance to challenge where you're at. Right. And then go to the scriptures, which I, I'm really intentional about putting a lot of yep. scripture yep. to back up what I'm saying in the book and let the scriptures speak. Let the Holy Spirit bring you to a place. It's still your convictions. Romans 14, 22 says this faith that you have, have as your own conviction. Blessed is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. So I, you know, it's not my responsibility to make you have right theology. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying I have perfect theology. I have what I believe is my right. convictions. But I do believe the Bible speaks pretty clearly in some of these uh, issues and things that I'm bringing up. And, you know, so I would challenge everybody to let yourself be challenged. I just had we we, we have to organize a conference. Mm. We need to organize a conference on this book and bring leaders to the table. Yeah, I'm up. I'm up for it. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, no, again, right. we, we yeah. need to be proactive and, and, yeah. and, and start these conversations. I mean, this is a book that I, I truly believe, you know, again, it'll be a slow burn as it gets out there. You're, you know, you're not, you don't have a huge publisher behind you, like putting, sending you on book tours and, you know, signings right. and so forth. Um, it, but when people read it and they share it, tweet it, bring it to us a, a book uh, suggested for a book study with all, all these things, it'll eventually get there. But I think yeah. we need, we need to nudge it a little bit. I mean, I'd, I'd love to bring, again, this is just for my, this is my selfish, you know, thing. in this is I, I, I want to learn. I want to see what other people are saying. I want to see what other church leaders have to say about this um, and then start and then start, you know, crowdsourcing solutions and how we can move towards to these things. Um, yeah. And I think a conference getting leaders, uh, you know, pastors in a room uh, for a day and a half, two days or whatever, and ha start having these conversations. So they then can go back and have these conversations. Um, yeah. I think we should talk about that. All right. Let's do it. I think we should do that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we, I could say all, I have so many questions now. And then when I go through my notes, um, I have so many questions that are off topic right now that just, again, some of those questions that I told you that I coming into right. developing the show that I had that I didn't remember, some of them are, are coming up. Um, and you know, the you good know. news is we can talk about those week by week by week yeah. by week. Yeah. I guess gotta make sure I, that's why I did it in my, my remarkable tablet. So I have it down. I can't throw it out or yes, or something. Of course I could break my, it's all synced up though. It's all, it's going everywhere. Nice. So I need it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to ask you some of this stuff. Um, Okay, I'm gonna go with one thing. One thing. Okay. All right, so, and you don't have to answer. We can refer to it later. But it's like in mentioning the books of the Bible. Right. One thing I've always questioned, and you know, we, I've heard stories and heard other accounts, and certain versions of Bibles include different different book or different order or sequence. I'm not really sure how that works, but um, why the books that were chosen were chosen, and mm -hmm. what about the books that weren't selected? Because there had to have been other books written. 
that right. these weren't the only ones. They said, okay, no, they all went. No, these were chosen. How those were chosen, why they were chosen, and what's happened since then. You know, what's happened okay. since then? There's been nothing revealed. God's not revealed anything else to anybody right. else in all this time. Yeah. That doesn't make well, any sense to me. So He hasn't revealed things that have equaled, quote unquote, the canon of Scripture or the authority of Scripture. Right. So there was a season where God wanted, you know, humanity in some respects, but specifically in the Old Testament, the, the tribes of Israel mm -hmm. and in the New Testament, the the birthing and growing church to know certain things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it was important. And we need to remember that, like the early church, they only had the Old Testament. They had some letters yeah. that were circulating from right. Paul and Peter and John and other apostles, but um, they really just, you know, preached the gospel, preached the good news on the authority of the scriptures from the Old Testament, mm -hmm. right? There were other books in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my Catholic brothers and sisters here is that it wasn't really until recently that we got rid of what we call the Apocrypha, um, which is like the book of Enoch and uh, Maccabees and a couple other uh, books that are in there, um, which technically possibly, you know, would still be considered scripture and, mm -hmm. and carry the same authority as scripture, right? So it wasn't until mm -hmm. later on in the church history that that kind of was, you know, after the Protestant Reformation, they go, ah, we don't really want these other books. All right. So I'm also um, interested in finding out why, yeah. why the, it was that a, a, a man, man's choice not to clue it or yeah, I believe ordained so. by God I mean, that said, okay. Right. Well, the book of Enoch is quoted in the, in the Bible. Right. So mm -hmm. that kind of itself kind of says, wait a second, <laughs> yeah. why don't we have that book? Right. If it's, if it's quoted. So, um, you know, but long story short, there were some specific things God wanted to, you know, kind of have as authority, uh, which, you know, old Testament and new Testament that I do believe that he kind of said, this fits this, mm -hmm. you know, this is something that, in it's going to be in print for you know forever uh and and it's something that is has the authority to speak into somebody's life mm -hmm. right um i think we get too hung up sometimes on the bible and boy will that just like light up a switchboard and you know comments coming in left and right um in the sense that the bible was really a means to an end Right. I, I think certain church communities, certain sects of Christianity, you know, they're like the Bible is the end all and be all. Well, mm -hmm. Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures, speaking to the Pharisees, and he said, in them, you think you have life, but they bear witness of me. Right. Really, the Bible is supposed to always point us to Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. When the Bible points to itself or we think the Bible points to itself or the Bible, you know, is the final authority we miss it because jesus god the godhead is the final authority right i mentioned earlier the holy spirit right the scriptures say that he leads us into all truth he teaches us all things right so our um confidence can't be that the authority of scripture is going to determine my life mm -hmm. right the authority of scripture is there to show me certain things that are helpful in my life, but ultimately it's to lead me to a relationship with God. Yeah, you that know, makes sense. Through, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. 
it's really about being in relationship with him. So I mentioned that the New Testament church, they only had really the Old Testament uh, scriptures and, and they started to write scriptures, which were really letters to churches. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they were technically even considered scripture. Peter addresses that where he refers to one of Paul's letters and he refers to it as scripture. But the, the reality was, is they were way more dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide them and lead them and help them live the life that God wanted mm -hmm. than they were just kind of like we're in the scriptures because they didn't have access to them. Yeah, the right. early church didn't have access to them. Right. I mean, you had to go in a temple, you had to get out a scroll, right? It, yeah. You had to read it. Nobody had access to yeah. that. So the, the, the beginning of the church was birthed in an age where it was like, you need to have relationships. So you know mm -hmm. what God is asking you to do and you can be obedient to what he's speaking. Yeah. That makes sense? No, it does. It does. Okay. And again, I have I have a million. <laughs> all those things are surfacing. Um, yeah, I guess for me, the thing that's most important for me, in you know, again, I, I I didn't grow up in the church. I have limited limited experience in church, um, and have always found issues and so forth, like we, we that we've mentioned. But ultimately it's my relationship with God. I mean, it, mm -hmm. and, and, and like, it's going to sound, I don't know. It's my relationship with God and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Nobody's going to tell me about my relationship with Christ. It just, you know, I like, I like it. I've always liked it and I'm, you know, I'm liking it more now and I'm knowing more and I'm closer and, and so forth. But, uh, um, yeah, to me, it's so personal. It's a, you know, he, uh, you know, you hear that, and maybe it's cliche to some people, and people, people that are not believers or maybe gotten that far in their faith is it's it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, yeah, and I think it goes back to you know what I mentioned in Romans fourteen, right? You know, we're responsible for our own convictions. Nobody else is. Mm -hmm. Our pastor's not. You know, I think there's a healthier way to do community. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've gotten very. Uh, you know, authority figure and subjects. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's God's thing. And, and my, again, my second yeah. book, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm dragging that right over the coals like it deserves to be. Um, yeah. But I have a spiritual authority in my life who I allow authority in my life, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I don't, and he, when he talks about authority, he'll talk about it. Really, the Bible communicates that authority is supposed to influence, mm -hmm. right? So he doesn't tell me what to do. Yeah. He'll suggest things that he believes are good and healthy and, you know, potential, you know, words from God, you know, um, but ultimately I'm responsible to say yes or no to that. Right. I'm, you know, but, and I allow him to speak into my life in that way. And I have several people that I've given that platform in my life for that avenue into my life to speak into my life. But I've been the one who have relationally set that up and allow them yeah. to speak into my life. And they've, shared things with me that have been life transforming and life changing for me. Yeah. Um, and things that I had no clue that, you know, I was, you know, necessarily, you know, going down a wrong path or a path that wouldn't be as healthy or potentially mm -hmm. hurtful for me. And they've with, for their love for me have shared, but it yeah. really is, it really is about our personal relationship with Jesus. But then he gives us ways to do community that help us grow, uh, help yeah. us mature, help us be safe. Right. You know, when you're out on your own, it's very dangerous because 
we we do have an enemy of our souls. Yeah. Uh, and he, the Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's his goal, right? Yeah. It says he's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're not in community, and you've kind of isolated yourself, and you say, "I'll just do this walk with God yeah. by myself," you're missing out on a, a a structure, if you will, that's designed to protect you. It's like the walls around the city. Um, you know, that's what God's built for us. Yeah. And I really am finding that now because my walk has been so private up until, you know, recently um, and purposely for, I mean, you know, there's a conscious choice in my half, my, my part, A, because I didn't know any better. I didn't know, you know, there's definitely a part of me that I didn't, it's not that I didn't want people to know. I, I guess I was worried about what people were going to think. I mm. was, um, I didn't want to look like a hypocrite to people, uh, considering some of the other things I do. Um, you know, there's a lot to it, but now I'm finding, I mean, it's in a different, a different season of my life that I can't, I know I can't do it alone. And I can't, I mean, again, the questions I have to just like simple things, just the simple things that, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people and, and so forth is, is so important. And, having people that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of to listen and you listen for them is, I mean, it's, it's life changing. It's life changing. Yeah. And a lot, and a lot of people don't have those people in their lives. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you position yourselves? How do you transform your life when you're in, uh, in surrounded by chaos? Um, it's not easy. It's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's hard to, yeah. to, to do that. But you know, when you have, God walking with you every step of the way, when you feel that it makes it a lot easier. It does. And that's a great segue into potentially what we may be talking about soon, which is that God designed us to be in a, in a spiritual family together, mm -hmm. right? Not an organization, you know, where people in some cases, they don't even know whether you've been there or not right. on a Sunday morning. Right. You know, uh, depending on how many people are in the room. And uh, he, he's called us to a deeper level of relationship, even with those around us that we've put intentionally put ourselves in, uh, in that mix. And they, we've allowed people to have that kind of influence and, and uh, avenue into our lives to do life together. Um, you know, that's why that's important, right? Because all of a sudden, right? I mean, Ecclesiastes says it this way. It says, woe to the one who falls down and there's not another to pick him up. Two are better than one. Um, two, two, there's my hands, two are better than one. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, uh, and two people, you know, uh, have better return for their labor. And, uh, if one, if one person can't resist, you know, somebody that's, you know, attacking them as kind of the, the basis of the scripture, two can resist. Right. So, you know, it's just that idea that we weren't called to do life alone. Yeah. God has a way, uh, and a design for us to be able to do it in such a way where we are family. And, uh, and so that we can dig into much deeper at a future yeah, podcast. Yeah, we, we, and we will. Um, yeah, my head's, my head's spinning. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, this is triggering, triggering so much for me, um, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to leave it there for now. Um, you know, it, I had called Doug earlier today because um, I had a rather significant uh, event or I don't know what it's event. What, what was it? Uh, revelation. Moment. 
Um, yeah, moment. Revelation. Definitely um, Revelation. That tied in everything I've been going through. Um, didn't give me all the answers I'm looking for, solve all my issues or problems, but it it certainly gave me uh, a path. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go into it now. It's still rather personal and we're I'll work it. You'll, you'll be, you'll be hearing about it at some point. That's um, it. But uh, you know, I'm so thankful that I've, I, I, I can't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful that I've allowed myself to have this moment in time to really explore myself, my faith, the world um, and try to, you know, learn how to make my way in the world with who I am now and still trying to figure out who that is and <laughs> on several different levels as we've talked about. And, and, you know, having been able to have conversations like this, which I've never had before and wanted to have, um, you know, you know, sharing moments with Karen last week, you know, that was just mm-hmm. great. I was like, this is awesome. This is like, you know, and we talk about music and she brings up cool in the gang. It was awesome. You know, it's just like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, this gets easier for me and more, uh, second nature to me, but I'm so thankful for you. And, you know, there's something, you know, when we first met, you know, it was like, hello brother. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. And, you know, we've been apart for so long, but yet you're always right here and, and, you know, and, and, you know, just even since we started the show and how much we talk and, and work on, and, and I've called you and shared things with you and, and, you know, and like with, like when the heart attack happened, you know, you guys are the first people I called and we haven't talked hardly at all in, you know, five years, you know? Um, yeah. But I knew, I just knew that I could call you and um, I'm so, again, we can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. And I'm so thankful that I have you and Monica and, and the other people got us put in my life, Tim and Loretta and the people from the campground this summer and so forth. I'm just, I, just, I get overwhelmed. Uh, why am I getting a software update now? I, 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 I'm, I'm overwhelmed by what God has done uh, yeah. in my life. Um, yeah. And it was a, it was a divine appointment, obviously. Uh, you know, we not only became good friends, but we became like family and yeah, mm-hmm. distance, you know, kind of took us away for a couple of years, but here's what I always find out about God relationships, which is you pick right back up yeah. yep. where you left off. And we did. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't this awkward, oh, yeah. you know, what have you been doing? And, yeah. you know, it was just, boom, we were right back to where we left. I immediately gave you crap about being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing I did. Yeah. But yeah, I even yeah. I even tried to, you were, you can attest to this, I even tried to make the logo for the show Virginia Tech Colors for you. Oh, I appreciate I tried. That. It just, I, I hated it, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> But I did. That was the first iteration of the logo. Is it just, was? It, it needed to differentiate a little better. And what is a hokey? Yeah. It is a. It is a. It's a turkey. I'm. I'm going to be brutally honest. Uh, you know, we used to be the fighting gobblers, uh, right? Yeah, so our colors, like le- legitimately, you were the fighting gobblers. Legitimately, for <laughs> from 1870, what 1872, all the way to uh, you know m- m- 1970s, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fighting gobblers who used to have a turkey with his tines out, uh, you know, up on the the lane stadium. I will say this real quick, you know, the colors come from the color of the leaves in the fall during football season. Appreciate so that. orange and maroon. 
uh, which has become quite the popular color combination just in general. Uh, if, if you're watching people walk down the street in their sweatsuits, uh, and it has nothing to do with Virginia Tech. But so they went, they realized, you know, turkeys is probably not the best uh, representation for your university. Fighting gobblers, you know, there's places you can yeah, I mean, it, I mean yeah. So I'm laughing, but I'm my team's a, after, a hairless nut. So, you know. <laughs> so they, they came up with, actually, they took it out of a cheer that had been around for decades, which started out hokey, hokey, hokey high, tech, tech, VPI, Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University is the actual, mm-hmm. was the actual yeah. name of the school for the longest time. So that's where hokey came from. And, and they essentially just said it's a hokey bird. But you you look at the hokey bird, he's got the, you know, they still do the warble. He's got the little beard hanging down. He's a turkey. Well, I am doing this Sunday, my show, my sports bias show is the best team names uh, and um, sports and logos uh, in sports. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Well, we're not going to make it, but if you do a bottom five, we could be. I don't know. I don't think you're in bottom five by any, by any means. Um, Right. um, Yes. I I did tell you the one that I found. I told you the the Arkansas school, the deaf. Um, Yeah. They're the leopards, the deaf leopards. So. Oh, that's that's gonna be a fun one. So, and uh, I am putting the gate date together for a, a Cowboys one. Uh, oh yeah, for us to do a Cowboys episode. So anyway, nice. we will sign off next week. We're working on having Annetta and, and Monica on. We haven't finalized that. If not, we'll you know get back into the book a little bit more and have some other things. Uh, the new show, the new uh, uh, Heartbeat Radio, will start tomorrow at noon. I'll have it out by noon tomorrow, so you can look for that on, just on Spotify. It's only on Spotify because of the licensing of the songs. Um, Listen to that guy. Oh, um, yeah, it's fun. I, I'm, I've been looking forward to it. So that'll be a weekly thing. I'm excited about that. Um, again, if you're in the car doing housework, laying in the sun, if you're in California, somewhere warm or snow, shoveling snow somewhere where it's cold, you know, you can listen to our podcast rather than watching it uh, on Apple podcast and, and, uh, and Spotify. So check yes. those out. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I guess we'll see them next week. And we got to work on that conference now. Don't do that. Yes. It makes me feel bad. Oh, that's right. We did this forgot. last week. Oh, I can't. Yes, yes. I can only make a rectangle. It looks like it's like, it looks like a pepper. Like my thumbs don't <laughs> bend. There's no joint here. Here, I can make. I gotta pray. I gotta pray healing over you so that you can make. You know, take these rods out of my hands. All yes. right, we're going. All right, love you, brother. Love you. We'll too, talk man. soon. Um, next week we'll be on same time Wednesday. I'm going to try to get to my music this week, which I didn't, uh, wasn't successful last week. Um, so, all right, here, we're here out. We go. We'll see you next week. Peace.